2: Hello
3: and welcome back to She and Her. I am Anita Rao. And I'm Sandra Davidson.
4: And we are so excited about our show tonight. So we are in the midst of rolling out a brand new season of the podcast. And when Anita and I first got together a couple of months ago to talk about what we wanted to do with the show, we knew that we wanted to continue profiling interesting and compelling women from our community who we've intersected with through work, or through other universes. And tonight, we're going to bring you a conversation with musician Charlie Lowry. Anita met Charlie at the State of Things, who work a couple of
3: years ago. Yeah, it's like probably four years ago now. It's been a while.
4: And I first met her a couple of months ago through my work. Charlie was a performer in a series that I have been working on through the 2019 Year of Music campaign, Come Here, North Carolina. She did a house concert at the Executive Mansion or the Governor's Mansion in downtown Raleigh through the series that we have created called Music at the Mansion. And the premise of that series is to bring in musicians from all over the state. And they perform a house show where they talk about their music and they talk about the community in North Carolina where they're from. And the idea behind that is that we also want them to bring people from their community into the Governor's Mansion for that night. Charlie is from Lumberton, North Carolina, or Robeson County. Robeson, Robeson. Robeson. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of members from her tribe, the Lumbee tribe, came that night. And it was a really symbolically important night, I think, for the campaign. And when we first were talking about this season, I thought, we've got to bring Charlie on the show. And, Anisha, I think you
3: agreed. I did indeed. We have so many questions for her, and we are so excited to kick off our season this fall with charlie lowry welcome to she
5: and her thank you so charlie, i'm honored to
4: be here we are so excited and yes. you have driven from lumberton to Hillsboro, which is a hike y'all <laughs> and i let's just start i would love for you to
5: describe where you're from to us Okay. Well, before I do that, congratulations on a new season. Thank Thank you very much. And you mentioned interesting and compelling women. I'm honored to be (laughs) included. Um, I am originally from Robeson County. And if you're from there, you know that that's how we pronounce it.
4: Yes. (laughs) Same
5: way with Pembroke, uh, which is also, I, I say I'm from Pembroke, even though my address is Lumberton. They're only about 10 minutes in between, but I live on the outskirts of both towns in the middle in the swamp. Mm. So it's swampland in Robinson County. And we also have a lot of farmland, a lot of agriculture. Um, And the swamps are very important because for years that has, has been what has in a sense protected our people Uh, back in the, Seventeen mid seventeen hundreds and early eighteen hundreds that was the land that nobody wanted, and so that's one of the reasons why our indigenous people settled there or have always been there protected and um so it's very rural uh Robeson County, in terms of statistics uh for today, it's one of the most poverty stricken counties in the state it's the largest county in the state and also uh, one of the ones that has the most crime uh, most drug abuse a lot of the you know least wanted accolades um, in terms of lifestyles but our people are resilient we're proud of where we come from Um, I come from a close-knit community. Um, a lot of my immediate family lives in uh, Robinson County. Um, oftentimes, our families, um, when our youth grow up, and if we do go away to college, like myself, I graduated from UNC Chapel Hill, a lot of us return home to give back to the community uh, once we gain our education, you know. So, a lot of my, like I said, my family's close. A lot of my aunts and uncles live five to ten minutes away from each other. And on my mother's side, she has six brothers. So I, I come from a large family. My father's side, he has, uh, I think, uh, let's see, Uncle Mel, Uncle Billy, Aunt Bay, Aunt Sandy, Uncle Angelo, who was the first to leave us. So he had five brothers and sisters, and they all live in the area as well. What was it like so, to grow up in a place like that? Well, I felt, always grew up feeling loved and supported. And, you know, I always had my cousins around. They were my first and best friends growing up. Um, our, our people have strong faith. So I grew up in the church. You know, Sundays were spent with family after church, Sunday dinners with grandma and granddaddy. And, you know, you just knew that's what you were going to do. And still, uh, to this day, I don't really have Sunday dinner with my my family, per se, uh, because my mother passed away in 2017. And that kind of, you know, caused our family to, some family traditions to you know, to cease in a way, but I still have Sunday dinner with my partner's family. You grow up knowing the people in the community. You know, I'm still friends with my friends from middle school and their parents. I still see those same people. So
4: so you would you briefly kind of explain... Um, Or talk a little bit about the Lumbee tribe, because some of our listeners may not be from North Carolina and they may not be as familiar. So can you kind of give us an overview?
5: Okay. well, the Lumbee tribe is the largest tribe east of the Mississippi. And folks may not be familiar with us because our people and our history aren't necessarily taught in history books or you're not going to find many of our people in movies. Uh, we have a very distinctive look. If I see another Lumbee person across country, California per se, I can look at them and tell that they're from home. And when I say home, I mean Robeson County, because the majority of our people do live in Robeson, Cumberland, Scotland, and Hoke counties. Uh, we don't have a reservation per se, but those counties, I would say, are our territories where the majority of our people live. We have a large pocket of Lumbee people up in Baltimore and a large pocket of people up in Detroit because back in the 50s, when our people or when people started becoming more industrious, our people left for the automotive industries, and so they settled in those areas. Our people were federally recognized in 1956 as part of the Lumbee Act that says that Indians in these counties fall under the Lumbee Act as being federally recognized but without full benefits, health benefits, education. So our people don't receive monthly or quarterly or annual benefits like some tribes receive checks. We don't, which is why our people are still fighting for full federal recognition with benefits.
4: One of the things that I have come to know about the Lumbee tribe is the importance of gospel music. In that community, and you mentioned that church was important in your life. Is that when you first intersected with music? Is that your early yes. or your earliest music yes. universe?
5: Yes, I would say so. And I would have to attribute my musical taste and inspiration f- to my grandfather, my mother's father, my paternal grand uh, maternal grandfather, James Locklear. He was the first person that I can remember. Uh, sing with an instrument, and he wasn't a musician per se, but every Sunday, later in the evening, some of his male friends would come over to their house, and they would strum and play gospel hymns just to get together and jam. And he played very simple, open chords, no lead for him, Uh, and he was self-taught. And he was actually the first person that, like I said, instilled music in me. One of my most prized possessions that I have now are VHS tapes <laughs> from when my mother would go shopping on Sunday with my great-grandmother. Uh, she would leave me with my grandma and granddaddy. I called him Papa. She would leave me with Grandma and Papa. And when, he, when video or camcorders first came out, he purchased one. <laughs> and I have tapes from when I was an infant Probably as early as nine months old. He would film me on Sundays, and I just have this gradual collection over the years of being an infant to a toddler of me first cooing with him back and forth, him talking to me and me cooing in a car seat, to when I could talk, to telling him stories, you know. Wow. singing nursery rhymes or gospel songs. And you can just see that progression of me being nine months to probably, you know, one year, two years, three years old. I have that collection. And you can just see just me gradually learning to talk and sing and then beginning in church Mm -hmm. when he put me in front of the congregation singing the (laughs) B-I-B-L-E. That was the first song that I can remember. And I can remember, you know, traveling up to Michigan because he did have friends in Detroit and singing in front of their congregations and the Lumbee congregations up north. So, When did you first have a sense that you
3: had uh, a voice that was different? It wasn't just that you were a really cute kid singing, but you had... Some talent, some real talent.
5: Um I never really thought of it. You know, I wanted to be a singer as early as I would say I'm gonna say twelve because I started being interviewed during mm-hmm. that time. Um because when I was twelve I won Junior Miss Lumbee. Got and it. that's <laughs> when that's really when I started branching out from church and singing in public. Um but even then I I never thought, oh my voice is good, you know, <laughs> I got talent. I never thought that until college. Okay. I wanted to be a singer, you know, when I was a teenager, that was one of my, you know, aspirations was to be a a singer. Um on top of being a veterinarian, And a WNBA player. (laughs) Oh, I had that dream too. (laughs) But I didn't really consider being a singer professionally until I was in college. Okay. So Mm.
4: at the Music at the Mansion event, you talked about that transition to college and what that leaving home and what that was like for you.
5: Yes. Will you talk a bit about that? Sure. Uh, There were, let's see, a thousand plus students at my high school, Pernell Sweat High School, which is in Pembroke. But the majority of us were Lumbee. And so I think I took it for granted that I was surrounded by Native students, that we were Native, we had a lot of pride. But I really took it for granted how powerful that was as a minority student. And it, it wasn't spotlighted until I went to UNC Chapel Hill and you know we have a different dialect different way of using words <laughs> um and historically our people when um settlers came in the area they noted that our people spoke with a broken English a type of broken English and I think that's part of our our dialect still to this day And when I came on campus to UNC Chapel Hill and opened my mouth, you know, I had folks from all over, what are you? Where are you from? And then when I began to tell them about Pembroke, a lot of people had no idea where Pembroke was, Pembroke or Lumberton or Robinson County, Um, even though we're only an hour and a half away. They had no idea that natives still existed. Hmm. When I told them what, you know, what I was or about my tribe or my people or how many of us there were, you know, they thought that we were extinct, thought that we had been wiped out, uh, mainly because of the portrayal of Native Americans on TV and what they had seen and growing And, like, up.
4: fourth grade
5: North Carolina history classes yes. in North Pilgrims Carolina. Pilgrims
4: and Indians, exactly. cowboys and
5: Indians. And, exactly. Yeah.
4: I think the only, honestly, because I grew up in Lillington, which is a little north of Fayetteville, we never talked about or learned about the Lumbee tribe in my education. I just knew about it because my family knew about it. And so I grew up knowing that, but there, I totally can see how you would have gone to UNC and folks who weren't from that region of the state would have no clue.
5: Right. And not just the Lumbee Indians, the, the, other, Cherokee, tribes, the, yeah. the other tribes in North Carolina, a lot of the state recognized tribes. Yeah. Many people are familiar with the Cherokee because they are federally recognized, but the Eastern, mm-hmm. you know, Eastern Woodland tribes, a lot of people aren't familiar with, they aren't even familiar with that terminology, Eastern Woodland, Mm -hmm. you know. So what was that like for you to feel so much like a fish out of
3: water and and no one really had a sense of where you came from?
5: Well, luckily and thankfully, we have the Carolina Indian Circle on campus, which is uh, the Native American student organization that's been around since the 70s. So I had a network of folks from home um, and the other tribes made up the Carolina Indian Circle. So I felt comfort in knowing that I had my people on campus. It was just a matter of making ourselves known So anytime there were multicultural events on campus, I was sure to participate in those. And even um, organizations that were, there was an African-American, well, it was a minority modeling troupe, a fashion modeling troupe, concept of colors. You know, I tried to infiltrate those kinds of organizations and have a presence to represent Native Americans and Native American women. Mm. And I think it may have been my um, junior year, I formed a group or started, formed a group with two other Native women, uh, my best friends, uh, a co lady or woman, Brittany Jacobs, Locklear now, and Courtney Richardson from the Halawasa Pony Tribe. We formed a trio a cappella group called One Voice. And that's where Brown Skin was born. Um, You're going to play that for us. I'm going to sing that. Um, Anytime there was an event on campus that needed music, that needed a different voice, we tried to make ourselves available hmm. and perform. And so we didn't have material, so we started writing songs so that we could make our presence known. Well, yeah, we'd love to song. hear that. Okay. <laughs> so this song Brown Skin, it it rose from people not realizing that indigenous people were right around them and You know, it was like I I had a fire inside or we had a fire inside to raise our voices, to make our presence known. We felt like it was our responsibility to our people back home. And that's the thing with having a tribe. It's like you have the support from your people, but you also have a responsibility to make your presence known and to, to be a voice for your people. And so this song, Brown Skin, was written with our young girls in mind with dreams and visions of having higher expectations for themselves. There are a lot of our women back home that don't even, you know, they, they don't, Call receiving a college education is something that they want to do, but it may not be necessarily be the easiest thing to achieve. And so this song was for girls that had dreams of going off to school, girls uh, of going away to larger metropolitan cities and making a name for themselves or finding a job. That's what this song is for. And the more I sing it, the more I realize that it's for all women, regardless of our backgrounds, who our parents are, If you come from money, if you don't come from money, this song is for all women, for us to realize that each of us are beautiful and unique in our own way, that we don't all have to dress the same. We don't always have to talk the same or think the same, despite what society's ideas are for women. So that's what Brown Skin is about.
3: Wonderful.
2: Male domain, she can't help but recognize the stairs. Cause of who she's talking to, or the clothes she wears yet. Yeah, she holds her head up high for the whole wide world to see. Inside to scream and free herself from strains of society. Brown scared Why do you hide? People telling me I ain't gonna make it. So I use it as fuel to feed my hunger like food. Like a cake that I'm baking takes time and patience. Once it starts to rise, everybody wants a taste. Why you always up on the line trying to play my face? Like I ain't gonna make it. People like you that hold us back from getting sacked. So we go through the same routine every day. Trying to conjure like voodoo. Who knew i do? The extraordinary one. Little lumpy brown skin. Little mama with the country grandma. Green sky independent. Tell me you're feeling this. Fire water over smoking the evil. Like a joker going wild trying to clown my people. Poverty stricken, keep your head up. Yeah, we fed up. It won't let up automatically as soon. It's a setup. Living from paycheck to check. Minimum wage from the state. Don't spend it all in one place. And if your belly aches, take a step back. Baby, hone your skills what's happening so go ahead and throw your hands up like a criminal the going gets tough you feel the need to surrender if i was sold on every single disc i'd marinate on Helen drive not doing brown skin
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today.
0: When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
5: So what was it like to play that song at the governor's mansion? It was amazing. Yeah. I will never forget that night. You know, I've played, I'm going to say thousands, a couple thousands of shows Over my career, but I'll never uh, forget that um, because you mentioned it was open to our tribal members and it was amazing for me to look out into the audience and see uh, so many of our women from home. I was very proud. Um, I looked out and saw my boyfriend's grandmother, uh, Miss Margaret Chavis. Uh, She's a matriarch of the Hope County community. And just to see her sitting in the audience, um, I think she's 89. Don't quote me on that. Um, (laughs) I hope I'm not wrong. She just had a birthday in September. But just to see her in the governor's mansion, um, when I know there was a time, there was an error when people of color were not probably allowed in that part of the mansion, you know, and just to see her sitting on the front row mm. was very special to me. She's a brown skin queen. Mm. And so to be able to sing brown skin with her there and the other women in the audience, it was symbolic. Um, for me in hearing that message, you know, be the queen of your own society, whatever that looks like, whatever your queendom Looks like in the society that we're living in, celebrate it and allow it to empower you. And for me, that power, that empowerment that night came in the form of singing, you know, in the governor's mansion. You have a great story about lipstick. Yes. From that night, would you oh, tell wow. that story? Oh, wow. Yes. So, uh, anytime I, pref- well, again, my mother and I'm I'm happy for y'all that your mothers may be listening. (laughs) Um, I wish my mother was still here listening, and I know that if she was living, she would be listening because she was my biggest supporter. Hmm. And I wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for her because she's the main one that encouraged me um, in my career. As a little girl, she was my strongest system of support, through dance lessons, piano lessons, sports, whatever it was. But anytime I performed, she wanted me to wear lipstick. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she made sure I had lipstick on. And some of my earliest memories, now that I'm going back and thinking about it, since she's gone, I, I go back and reflect a lot. As a child, you know, I started taking dance. I took dance from age two to 10. And I can remember being at those dance recitals and getting ready and her putting that buttered rum lipstick on me, (laughs) which was her shade. Um, She didn't wear makeup. She didn't wear foundation or blush. She had a beautiful brown skin. It was uh, darker than mine. I'm pretty fair compared to what she was. Um, But she always made sure to paint her lips, and she had beautiful full lips, and so she, you know, made me wear buttered rum growing up for school pictures and like I said, <laughs> dance recitals. Okay, so buttered rum was the thing by Avon. And so when I got to the, you know, on the way up to the governor's mansion, we were riding in the in the band van. And I said, Y'all, if I break down and have a hard time speaking at times, just forgive me. I'm thinking of mama. It's bittersweet. I wish she was here with me. Out of all of the gigs I've had, I wish she could have been at this one. And so I just, um, Alexis Rihanna, who was with me in the van, she said, It's okay. She's, you know, she's proud of you. And she's saying, That's my baby. That's my baby. And just the way she said it, the inflections, the tones, and everything in her voice Reminded me of exactly what my mother's thoughts would have been And so I just had a breakdown in the van I mean, ugly cried (laughs) In the van, trying to talk through it And I gained my composure and I was like Thank you so much I'm glad that happened now Now I won't do it at the governor's mansion (laughs) Okay, fast forward Alexis is also a makeup artist and so she volunteered to do my makeup at the go- for the show, for the performance. And we're in the sunroom in the, in the governor's mansion doing our makeup, getting ready for the performance. And she says, I forgot my lipstick. I don't have any of my lipstick. <laughs> and in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I didn't bring one tube of lipstick because I thought Her being the makeup artist, (laughs) I thought she would have several shades of lipstick, so I didn't bring any. And the first thought in my head was, Mama would kill me (laughs) if she knew I was at the governor's mansion without lipstick. (laughs) (laughs) So Alexis says, I'll go ask Miss Shirley. I know Miss Sherry. I know Miss Sherry's got lipstick. So Miss Sherry Carter was one of our guests. One of my bandmates in the band, Sean, it was his grandmother. And we actually invited her probably two days before hmm. the show. She got on the guest list. And Miss Sherry actually was a former senior Miss Lumbee. So I was honored that she was there as a dignitary and as Sean's grandmother. So Alexis says, I'll go ask Miss Sherry. So. She runs and asks Miss Sherry if Miss Sherry has some lipstick. She comes back with a brand new tube of lipstick. So I'm like, whew. So she puts it on me. Uh, Alexis puts the lipstick on me, and we're like, okay, good. And so right before the performance, I run and thank Miss Sherry. I say, Miss Sherry, thank you so much. You saved the day because if mama would have knew that I was about to perform without lipstick, she would have had a cow. She would have had a fit. <laughs> I said, "In her favorite color was buttered rum." Miss Sherry's eyes got humongous. She said, "Charlie, that's what that lipstick." Oh my is. gosh! Yeah. I, I get goosebumps <laughs> every time I tell that story. But she was like, "That lipstick was buttered rum." And I just knew hmm. that Mama was with me. I was like, out of all the shades <laughs> of lipstick in the world, she had Avon. Yes. Buttered rum. Buttered rum. <laughs> yes.
4: I'm gonna have to look that
3: shade up.
4: That's, yeah. <laughs> well Well Charlie, we our our moms, I would have to say, are probably our biggest supporters of our Yes creative endeavors in every other universe of our lives too and they often come on the show. One of our bits has been to bring them on the show to reflect on the topic that we've explored Okay, and I'd love to hear you talk with us a little bit about your mom and and how she did support you in your music.
5: Oh wow well like I said her name was uh, Dolores Jane Lowry and she passed away November 20th, 2017 from, uh, endometrial cancer and all my life, she was healthy.
2: Hmm.
5: You know, mama never got sick. And if she did, she didn't show it. She might've been down for a day and she was right back at it. Um, she worked a full time job growing up, um, she retired from the University of North Carolina at Pembroke and she was an analyst programmer in the information technology department. Uh, when she pat- or when she retired, it was it's a do it, the division of information and technology. And UNC Pembroke was a huge part of her life. Like she loved work. Hmm. she loved working at unc pembroke like she loved it she loved her coworkers. i grew up on campus <coughs> and i say for a time there was a period when i said i don't want to go to unc pembroke because i know so much about the university from <laughs> growing up with mama i want to go away to college so that was a big factor in me uh, going away to college um She had a green thumb. She loved flowers. She loved nature. And that's where I get a huge part of my respect and love for Mother Earth was through her. I mean, she would get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and water all of her flowers before getting me ready for school and then taking me to school and then working a full day, getting off work, picking me up from practices or going to my games and then taking me to my next endeavor, whatever it was. So if I got off practice and if we're talking about the period from age 12 on, usually I had something else to go to. If I had practice from three to five, I probably had an engagement or a performance at seven at a At a conference or at a banquet in the community, and she was right there hmm. um, she never left my performances. she sat through all of them. She's the one that researched, and you know before I started the band in middle school and high school, if I had a performance, usually I sang to uh karaoke tracks tapes, cassette <laughs> tapes or CDs. Yeah. And she's the one that researched and purchased those tracks from Sound Choice. <laughs> <laughs> so she made sure I was on point. My wardrobe, you know, she financed my wardrobe and paid for all my gas or took care of, you know, travel expenses. She was on top of it So she was always supportive And There was no one else Like me Hmm. There was no one else like her baby I mean People Before social media She was the social media
1: (laughs) She's the one That
5: got the word out about all of my shows Hmm. And She was my manager In a sense for years growing up you lost her pretty suddenly
3: yes since and you have been going through your own health journey kind of right alongside of that yes since she has been gone what how have you felt connected to her how have you kind of accessed that relationship
5: I think the most important thing for me in access, accessing her is that I still live mm. close to my home that I was raised in. I live right across the dirt road. I live down a dirt road, down Helen Drive, which is what I referenced in at the end of the rap verse in Brown Skin. Um, it says, if I was sold on every single disc, I'd marinate on Helen Drive not doing shit is 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 the you know (laughs) what is supposed to be bleeped out but I just said it (laughs) Uh, so I grew up on Helen Drive in a two-story log cabin and growing up my father's career which my parents are you know they were still married but his career like a lot of men in Robinson County um was to work away from home because there aren't that many great job opportunities in Robinson county so he made a living as a welder as an iron worker um and there were times when he would be gone for months at a time and it was just mama and i at home and so when i look at that house i see her because i i see we we live on um i think we've got at least 10 acres of land And she maintained Mm. all of that land. Wow. That's amazing. So she cut the grass. We have horses. She would get up and water her flowers and feed the horses and cut the grass. And on top of going to work, you know, so she held down the home. She's a great cook. So she would go home and cook. At night, I would say at least five nights out of the week, I had a home-cooked meal. And so when I look at that house... Um, I think of her um, when I step outside and hear the birds she loved birds she loved cardinals blue jay any kind of birds they were a nuisance <laughs> she loved them I mean she just loved nature and animals and the squirrels and the rabbits I see mama
1: hmm. I
5: think of mama Um, I am part owner in a, a new venture in Pembroke it's called Credentials Social Club Um, It's a private club for members and their guests. We make fresh cocktails. And in one of our drinks, we use um, rosemary. And in another drink, we use mint. I still have Mama's rosemary bush is still alive and thriving. Mm. And so each week, I go into our yard and I pick rosemary from her bush. I pick fresh mint that she and I planted A couple of years ago before she passed and it's still alive. Hmm. That's how I, those are the easiest ways for me to access her. Yeah. Well, we're running
4: out of time and I hate that. (laughs) But so I would like to hear you talk a little bit about your own health journey because that has been a part of your life since you were 18. Right. Mm -hmm. So would you tell, tell us a little bit about that story and where you are in that process
5: well I was actually I was diagnosed when I was 18 with uh, IGA nephropathy it's an autoimmune disorder also known as Berger's disease it's a very rare disorder but I was showing symptoms and didn't realize it as early as 13 Hmm. when I was going to it could have been sooner than that but when I would whenever I would go get uh, physicals for sports Mm mm-hmm they noticed some of the symptoms then, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was 18. They told me that I would probably need a kidney transplant when I was 35, but it came a lot sooner at the age of 25. So uh, I've I've been taking medication for it since I was 18. And, you know, I, I'd done American Idol when I was 20. I had a actually had a hard time when i went out to do american idol you know i was young i was carefree didn't take my medicine like Mm. i should have so i would have flare-ups and it still didn't dawn on me because i was kind of you know i've always been active and i try not to let it slow me down but now i'm more apt to listen to my body and when I see the symptoms and slow down and rest more so than when I was 20 and having the flare ups and just wanted to, you know, have fun in college and, you know, just try to lead as normal life as possible. Yeah. But uh, now I'm on dialysis. So it's not so easy to just ignore the symptoms as it was before. So I go to dialysis uh, three days a week uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, from 12.25 to 4.30. Wow. So three hours and 45 minutes, which it it's it shortened now. Um, it was four hours and 30 minutes. So that's a great, uh, you know, it's a a big chunk of my life, considering how carefree and whimsical I like to be. But I try to you know, still stay active with my music and arrange my schedule around my dialysis. There's been times that I've traveled to France um, and still maintain my dialysis treatments. Um, now we're fortunate with um, dialysis treatments today that, you know, if I travel to another state, I'm, prefer- I'm part of of Fresenius treatments, um, and Fresenius is a franchise across the country. So, if I know in advance that I am going to travel out of the state, I make sure to arrange my treatments so that you know I can do them wherever I go, as long as I can find a Fresenius clinic. Are you in active pain on a daily basis, or, or no, how does not your... pain? <laughs> okay, that's that's one thing with uh, kidney disease and it's also something that that makes you be more aware kidney disease can be a silent killer mm. in that you don't really feel pain unless it's very very bad and you you reach a point that you need to go to the hospital that's the way kidney treatment is or kidney uh disease and symptoms are um so i the biggest thing for me or the main symptoms are that I collect a lot of fluid. My body doesn't get rid of fluid uh, like it should, so uh, the fluid can gather on me, and I may have shortness of breath. Or a big thing, another problem that I battle with is blood pressure, high blood pressure. So I may, if my blood pressure is really high, um, I get headaches. Or there was a time when I was symptomatic and I had seizures mm. one day because it was really high. Um, but other than that, no pain. Um, and you as are long as act- I rest when I need to and watch my fluid intake, I can manage pretty well. And you are actively seeking another yes, kidney? Yes, I am seeking another kidney. I'm on the transplant list at UNC Chapel Hill And I was recently listed at MUSC down in Charleston. saw that. So if there are any folks that are interested in donating, I'm having a hard time this go around because it is my second transplant. I had my first transplant in 2009, and it lasted nine years up until September of last year. But I am actively looking now. Um, if there's anyone out there that's interested in donating, um, I have a number for a living donor coordinator that I would like to give you, um, or you can get in touch with me. Yeah. Somehow we'll make sure. Yeah, that we you will have, definitely. Yeah. That you have a way to contact me so that I can get that number it, for
4: you. So we are literally out of time, which
5: is okay. terrible. But where can people find Ooh. you in your work? Um, I'm on all of the social media sites. If you want to look at Facebook, Instagram, any of them, my handle is Charlie Lowry, my my first and last name, and it's C-H-A-R-L-Y, L-O-W-R-Y. If you just search for my name, Google me. I'm on <laughs> YouTube, plenty of content. If y'all want to hear of more songs, brown skin, again, and any other... <laughs> Originals. I've got plenty of content online, and
4: we're planning so. on releasing your music at the Mansion concert very soon. So we're that looking for. I've had so many people. I'm sure
5: asking at home, like, <laughs> when are we going to
2: get to see I it? I still so. see it come
4: up on Facebook sometimes. Yeah, As somebody we. Yeah, people are waiting for that one. <laughs> well charlie thank you so much thank you so much thank you I for it. listening we yeah. need two more hours we do <laughs> we <laughs> do so many more questions we are so impressed by your talent and your strength and your just authenticity thank you and we appreciate you making that drive from lumberton yes. yeah
5: i always love coming up to the triangle so
3: anytime Thank you so much. You can find um, everything else we do at sheandherradio.com. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at She and Her Radio. And we'll be back with a new episode next week. And thank you so much.
5: Thanks for listening. Thank, thank you. you for having me.
3: Bye. Bye.